Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about issues of public education in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Well, this morning, we are joined by Chris King, who's the lead organizer for Voice and Action. Voice is Voices Organized in Civic Engagement based here in Oklahoma City. And then Action is Allied Communities of Tulsa Inspiring Our Neighborhoods um, up in Tulsa. So, Chris, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Uh, Thanks for taking time to visit with us today. Can you uh, give sort of a a big picture for folks who might not know what community organizing really is and what you guys do. Give us a picture about Voice in Action. I'd be really happy to do that. But let me first say what an amazing job I think the OEA has done for a long time, but especially in this pandemic with just getting people the information they need and really trying to fight for protections for students and teachers. So Thank you. I know Thanks, you're Chris. a really reliable source for information for thousands of teachers across the state, and you've just done amazing work in this pandemic. So thank you. Man. Thanks. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, so Voice is a coalition that is made up of congregations and nonprofits and civic groups and worker associations, including the OEA. Mm -hmm. Uh, We work on issues that face families, and we identify the issues we work on by training leaders within all of those institutions, congregations, nonprofits, unions, to listen to the stories of their own members, Mm -hmm. and then out of those stories, try to figure out like where can we act yes so um we've we've worked on issues ranging from fighting against proposed rate increases on utility bills um we've worked very hard on um preventing evictions during this pandemic yes so important Um, important. say that again that was that's so important Oh, and it impacts schools hugely because uh, when kids lose their homes, of course, I mean, then they're moving from school to school Mm -hmm. and it's already such a hard year with some some school districts and A-B plans and some just on Zoom and, you know, that makes it really hard for kids. So um, working to address evictions. Um, we've been working on, we've been fighting for a long time against, um, payday loans and just the interest rates on those. And it's right now with so many people losing work, oh man, the payday lenders are just aggressively going after yes. people and people can be trapped in debt. So we've been actually working to try to get a 36% rate cap put into the next federal relief bill yes. instead oh, yeah. of the, and, you know, 400% that payday lenders charge people now. You that know, insane. as a, I grew up in Arkansas and I'd really never seen payday lenders until I came to Oklahoma. And that's because Arkansas mm-hmm. has a, an interest rate cap. And uh, that, I yeah. hadn't even thought about right now, especially there are probably people getting trapped in that cycle at a faster rate than, than even normal. 
Yeah. Well, and the other thing payday lenders have started doing is they've, they're starting to figure out that they can work around the interest rate caps in some states by using mm-hmm. out-of-state banks in states that aren't regulated. Okay. And so it's like a rent-a-bank scheme, oh, and word. we're trying to get that language into the next release bill, too, to prevent Good. that from happening. Yes, but, please. Just shady. Uh, right. I mean, just, come on. Yeah. <gasps> Okay, sorry. I have I didn't a little moral <laughs> outrage right there. <laughs> sorry, continue. I'm sorry about that, Chris. We're just that. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's those are those are some of the things we are working on. We are also uh, going to hold an accountability session with the county candidates that this year. Four of the eight members of the Oklahoma County Budget Board are up for re-election. And you might recall that, yes. that the County Budget Board just, they, we did win one and a half million dollars for relief money for evictions for the county. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they took the rest of their $46 million in COVID relief money and gave it all to the county jail. Which is um, crazy. Which, which was a surprise move. You're so, so polite. That um, was very polite. And, <laughs> and not at all what that money was no, intended for. No. It was intended to help help people families stay in their and, homes yes. and feed their kids. Sorry. There's going to be yes. some righteous indignation again. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and, and all of those things. Well, are, I mean, and they're important offices up for elections. Sheriff. Yes. One of the county commissioners. The county clerk and the county court clerk yes and um so we'll be doing uh we're inviting all the candidates for those offices to to be on a zoom accountability session on october 4th at 4 p.m um we're also working on a notary project trying to uh several of the of the congregations that are a part of voice are going to set up tables where people can come by and get their ballots notarized oh, cool. for three weeks before the election. And even though you can, you don't have to get your ballot notarized, you could send a copy of your ID or a copy of your um, voter registration with your ballot, and that would be a fine way to do it. Not everyone has access to a copy machine, so we're just trying to help, you know, like, we'll do notary and, you know, let's get Let's get people voting. Yeah. Um, so we're doing that. And then we're doing some training. We're always training people to, to do organizing work. And um, just had a training last night with about 50 people on Zoom. Uh, and next Thursday night, we'll be really digging into what does it mean to organize when we're all socially distant yeah. and you know, mostly meeting on Zoom. So, yeah, the, it makes it makes things a little more difficult. You got to think of other ways to engage people yeah. uh, when when we're on the Zooms. But um, but mm-hmm. it's still doable. And the work is so important. And all of those things are really the reasons why uh, Chris King and Voice received the Oklahoma Education Association Tuscahoma Brown Miller Award, because they are a group that continuously 
fights to improve education in our state. Mm-hmm. And um, and it may not be a direct education tie, mm-hmm. but it is, um, you know, like the predatory loans. Our families. Our families. Yes. Evictions. That's our families. Yes. Food security. That's our families yes. and our students. And so um, all of those things that Voice works on uh, really help out our, our kiddos at school. And so let's talk, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about what you guys have coming up. Uh, you have an accountability session for con- uh, Congressional District 5. Can you talk about that? Well, we're not calling that actually an accountability session. Oh, I'm sorry. Session I'm sorry. Because we're, we, when we do an accountability session, we invite all the candidates for a, a position and we ask them specific questions around a full agenda of issues. Um, so we, we have invited all the candidates for the, this, this event that's coming up, but just technically not an accountability session. Okay. Um, it's called the Pandemic in Schools. It's a Congressional District 5 roundtable, and we've invited the candidates for District 5 uh, plus the candidates for state legislature, both the House and the Senate, oh, great. from all the districts that are within Congressional District 5. And then we thought, well, let's invite the candidates for U.S. Senate as well. Um, and our focus for the event, we, we started talking about this event over a month ago, and um, we thought that by, by next Tuesday we would have had a month, we'd be about a month into the school year. People would have experiences. They would have a sense of what is working, what is not working, Mm -hmm. how our, how our teachers schedules, how our students doing. Um, And so we'll start the event by listening to stories from teachers and parents and we have a student who will speak and a member of the business community. Um, we will have Dr. Sean McDaniel, who's the superintendent of Oklahoma City Public Schools, mm-hmm. talking about uh, what it is like to be making decisions for the largest district in Congressional District 5. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we are excited uh, that David Blatt, who... Um, has retired from the Oklahoma Policy Institute, but uh, has transitioned to being a professor at the University of Tulsa. Uh, He's going to join us to give us kind of an economic overview of what's happening at the federal level. And if we don't, if, if Congress fails to pass a relief bill that helps States overcome revenue shortfalls um, this coming year. What kind of impact is that going to have specifically on our schools? So, and I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm um, sorry. Well, no. Well, I would just say that um, you know, and then from there, we're going to ask. Kendra Horn has already confirmed, and uh, you know, we're going to ask her, "What are you fighting for?" For mm-hmm the relief package and you know what do you see as the big challenges facing Oklahoma uh, as a state and then we'll ask the state candidates 
um, to commit to fighting for funding for public schools, especially if there's a revenue shortfall. And then we'll ask them to work on expanding technology and internet access, protecting housing and food security. And then we really want a change in the law because support staff who are mostly hourly workers when there are school closures because of, you know, a pandemic, um, they are they are without pay, yep, and that yep. should really not be the case. So we really need Reach. to protect support staff um, from from you know these kinds of declared emergencies in our state. Right. I mean, it's a huge issue in the spring, and it continues now as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if somebody wants to attend this CD five event. How would they um, find out how to attend since it's a virtual meeting? Well, there is an Eventbrite invitation that is posted on both the OEA website, I believe, and on the Voice Facebook page. So you can go to either place and sign up, and then you will get your link to the event on the Monday before the event, I believe. Perfect. So cd5educationroundtable.eventbrite.com. Be sure to go sign up there. And just like Chris said, also available on Facebook, on the website. Um, So, I mean, that's, I mean, you guys are covering a lot of really critical information. It's a, I mean, it's a a true roundtable. And it's a huge area. CD5 goes from Edmond through Oklahoma City, Putnam City, Western Heights, uh, Middell, um, Shawnee, Sha- Choctaw Nakoma Park, Shawnee, yep. and out to Seminole. I mean, yeah. it's, it's that's a broad range of experiences right now. Right. I mean, the pandemic is being felt in, I mean, in some ways universally, but also, I mean, an experience. I mean, those are very different districts that are handling things in very different ways, and they have very different families. You know, I mean, it's a broad range of of folks in that congressional district. It really is, and you know, it's so important for for the the candidates who are running for office to see that we are all paying attention to Mm. what they're saying Mm -hmm. and that we care about these issues. So signing up for the event and being present for the event, you know, it's, it's a pretty easy to do. You could, you could eat your dinner while you are. Yes. yes. And no one will judge. No one will judge. No one will judge. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I probably will be eating my dinner and I hope no one judges me is what I'm trying to say. Just make sure it's not crunchy. (laughs) Well, we might keep this format even after the pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone. Who doesn't like BYO dinner? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, the, Thank you, Chris, for your work, first of all. Um, what what voice does and what action does, so important to our families and directly benefits our the kiddos that are in our classrooms. And um and everybody be sure to to sign up and attend. I mean, what a great way to directly talk to uh decision makers. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on this morning and for all the work that you do with voice and, and, you know, and your work in the state to make the lives of students and teachers so much better. 
than if you were not here. Thank you. We appreciate the coalition partnership and the work that we get to to accomplish together. Thank you, Chris. Well, this morning we are joined by our friends at Hunger Free Oklahoma. So we want to say hello to Devin Schroeder, who's their Tulsa Regional Program Manager. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. And then we also are joined by Jessica Dietrich, Policy and Government Relations Manager. How are you? Doing great. Happy to be here. Good. Um, well, first of all, just uh, give us a look at where we, we want to visit with you guys about the PEBT benefits that are coming out. But for folks who might not be as familiar with Hunger Free Oklahoma, uh, Jessica, can you give us uh, the 10,000 foot view of what you guys do here in the state? Sure. So our organization is really um, a connector and a collaborator at its core and We work with other organizations and government partners to improve systems, policies, and practices to make sure that people can access the resources they need to ensure they have enough healthy and nutritious food to um, sustain their active lifestyle. So let's talk about these PEBT benefits. Um, First of all, what does it stand for and what what is happening? People are getting things in the mail. Um, Devin, can you give us a, a an overview of what that is? Absolutely. So PEBT stands for Pandemic Electronic Benefits Transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this program is really helping families get connected to food. So in March, when all of the schools across Oklahoma and pretty much across the nation closed mm-hmm. um, as a result of COVID, Many, many students were missing out on the free and reduced meals that they accessed every day after school, so both school breakfast and lunch. And so what happened um, during all the COVID response, the, the Congress, they came together and they threw some legislation. Jessica can really talk about the legislative part a lot better, mm-hmm. but through this program, What's happening is states could apply to distribute pandemic EBT benefits to families in their state. And so these benefits are substituting all the missed meals that happened in March, April, and May. And so um, they are estimating that these benefits are about $5.70 per day. And so when you talk about all the missed school days, that estimates roughly out to $250. And so or any child that qualified for free meals or reduced price meals, or was attending a school in which they provided universal free meals. So that is free meals for all students. Mm-hmm. Um, schools can be eligible for that through a couple of different provisions. One is called community eligibility. Um, the other is called provision two. And so those schools or districts that oper- operate that way, all students in those schools or districts would receive that card. For example, Oklahoma City Public Schools implements CEP at a district level. In Tulsa, Tulsa Public Schools implements it at all of its elementary schools. So regardless for those students, if they qualify for free and reduced or were attending one of those schools, should be receiving a um, PEDT card or benefits on the family staff card. Okay. What a benefit for, for our families. Absolutely. So if you already are, if you already use an EBT, card, that extra money will be added to the card that you have. And then if you don't, if you don't normally receive that, how will that process work? Some people will receive them just in the mail or is that how it works for everybody? 
Yes. So families that do not have an existing EBT card through SNAP should be getting a card in the mail. Um, we have heard it happen for both ways. So families that have um, multiple children that would be eligible, they might be getting more than one card. Okay. Other families have gotten one card, but they have received benefits for more than one child on that card. So we're encouraging that when families get the letter, it comes in an unmarked envelope, and there's a letter inside. It kind of talks about what the PEBT card is and it provides instructions on how to activate it, and then they can um, take a look at their balance. So what they do is they call into a number, and they have instructions to enter in four zeros, um, and that prompts them to enter the birth date of their child, and then it activates their card. So do not throw it away. Please check your mail. Open your open your mail. Um, yeah. So what you know there we know a lot of districts are feeding kids um, and fed kids in the spring. Why is it important to have this resource for family? Jessica, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, I can. I can take that one. So um, the meals that schools are offering and many continue to offer during the closures are. Vitally important, but mm-hmm. the PEBT benefit is especially important for people that may not be able to access those meals. Yes. For a lot of schools, they have to offer those during particular time frames sure. just due to their own abilities and staff capacity. I know schools are juggling so many things right now. And so for working families, particularly in um, maybe like shift or service industries, mm-hmm. they may not be able to take off work to access those meals. So right. something like a PEBT benefit will help them shop at the grocery store to make sure that they have food at home for their children when they may not be able to access those school meals. That that would be especially true of, of restaurant workers where the meal pickups would be at the busiest times. Yeah, during for, lunch. Yeah, and yeah. breakfast and lunch. Yeah. And and so that PEBT card would be a, a, a lifesaver, quite literally, for their families. So- Absolutely. And I think rural schools are another great one to point to because um, sometimes maybe the parents are, are available during that time frame, but the school might be further away than potentially a place that they could use the benefit. So yeah, um, especially in rural districts as well, that can be huge yeah Yeah. i mean you can't there are there are lots of schools in our rural communities where you're not walking to school you know you're it's not it's not in your neighborhood you don't have a neighborhood you know you're out in the country you can't you can't access it the same way that other families might be able to if you just live across the street right um so what what do we what is the status of hunger right now because i know that it's such a challenge for oklahoma i mean oklahoma is just our families are really struggling in an, in a normal time. Um, but right now it just, it makes, I mean, honestly, it just makes me worry about, it makes me worry about families. makes me worry about kids. Like it's just, it seems like a, it was already not a great situation for a lot of folks. And now it just feels like it's so much harder. Absolutely. So pre COVID, um, Oklahoma has been one of the, the most in food insecure states in the nation, um, before COVID, really began in early 2020, our food insecurity rates 
for Oklahoma have been about 16, 15, 16 percent. Um, it's even mm-hmm. higher for childhood food insecurity. Mm-hmm. It's been about 21, 22 percent. So that, you think about. Can we just, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that just like, I mean, that makes my chest hurt that there are one in five kids, one in five kids in our state that are food insecure. Like how, how can this be? Yeah. I just, sorry, continue. I just, no, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, it's staggering to think about. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, and so now now we have COVID straining families across the state and the nation. So we have a lot of um, parents that are out of work. You might have parents that are just trying to make ends meet by working two jobs, and it's still not quite cutting it. And so another challenge is the school districts have really stepped up. So when March came and um, OSCE, the State Department of Education, and USDA, they operated um, multiple waivers that allowed a lot of flexibility for school districts and community organizations to offer grab-and-go meals. And the school districts did an incredible job of opening the site, meeting the kids where they were, allowing families to take meals to their homes, mm-hmm. and um, even providing bus routes or direct deliveries to families. Yeah. Um, they have operated summer meal sites throughout the whole summer, but it doesn't catch every child. And so now we have a mixture of school districts across the state, some in person, some doing distance learning. And one of the things that teachers are an incredible source of helping to identify food and secure children. Yes. So if mm-hmm. you have a child that is distracted, that is not able to focus, he might have a tummy ache, he might be um, reaching out with his behavior, just kind of not able to learn. So teachers are kind of our first line. They can help identify those food and secure students and help to um, figure out what resources to connect to that family. When you have distance learning, you have a lot of families that might be suffering from food insecurity, and we just don't know it because we don't have that face-to-face in-person contact. And so what we're trying to do at Hunger Free Oklahoma is to identify every single opportunity to get kids connected to food, whether it's um, helping to advocate for waivers that allow community organizations and school districts to keep operating the summer meals program, which really helps to reduce the paperwork burden. Yes. And it allows all children ages 18 and under to get a meal. So we're really working towards that. But it, it's a strain when you think about the sheer numbers and just widespread food insecurity that we're trying to move the needle on. Well, I want to add, Devin cited some really... Um, staggering numbers and and th- we know those numbers are only getting worse and uh, we we particularly like to make sure we set our sources and so we're getting our latest numbers from the U.S. Census Bureau. They're doing a household pulse survey to check in on a number of economic factors for families during COVID-19 and so they're measuring food scarcity and have been since about April. They just uh, released another set of numbers just last week, actually. Um, and then we're also using Feeding America's kind of projections. And so based on Feeding America's projections um, due to COVID-19, we're anticipating that one in three children in Oklahoma will be food insecure this year. Oh, my word. Like that, I just want to, to I mean, really, those who are listening to pause and think about that. Like in your classroom, if that's 30 kids, that's 10 children. Like, that, that are going to bed hungry and waking up hungry and and school may be the only place where they get to eat. And, you know, to exactly what you said, I think that I think that this has highlighted how critical our support staff are that prepare food for our kiddos, how critical it is for 
our children to be in school and to eat. I mean, this is that the structure of school feeding hungry kids is so important. And I don't, I don't think that everyone necessarily realizes how, how um, tightly tied those things are together. Yep. Um, the child nutrition department across the state, I am in awe of them. They were navigating um, continually um, just different challenging factors and coming to work every day at the height of COVID in March and April and preparing meals and gathering volunteers and distributing these meals yes. to kids and they continue to do it. And um, I want to give special kudos and props to these departments across the state because they have worked so very hard to make sure kids have access to meals. And man, they are, I mean, because some of our districts, you know, like in the spring, they're doing bus routes out to um, deliver food because kids, you know, in our r- more rural communities, because they can't walk to school and um, that we have people balancing feeding kids who are in school and kids who are learning virtually that day for those split schedules. It's just, uh, man, our kids, our kids need it. And it, it hyper inflates the importance of partner community partners like 100%, Hunger Free Oklahoma 100%. And, and food bank and, and, and all of that. We, you know, it, it takes all of us as a community giving in and doing extra work to make sure that our kids are taken care of. And Devin, you were, a, you were a teacher, right? For a while. Yeah, I was in the classroom for five years. So awesome. I taught second grade for four years and I taught fourth grade for one year and is one of the best jobs I've ever had. It's also one of the most challenging yes. um, and fulfilling. So um, okay. I have a very, very special heart for educators. So when you think about your time as an educator, um, how does that, how does hunger affect the ability of kids to learn in the classroom? I could see it directly firsthand because um, when we talk about the often the the ways that kids kind of demonstrate that that hunger, I saw it every day. Um, yeah. I worked in a low income community in New Orleans um, for several years, and I had I had children that were struggling with food insecurity, and so mm-hmm. I think. Seeing that as a teacher and knowing that the children were affected by it, it's really kind of informed my whole trajectory of my career. Um, I worked at Regional Food Bank of Oklahoma for six years, working on their out-of-school time programs. And it's kind of been at the heart. If you if you cannot, if you don't have enough food in your body, you can't think, you can't learn. Um, yeah. you're, you're distracted by what's going to happen next. And so um, your teacher might be talking about, you know, learning some multiplication tables, but you just want to know when, when lunch is going to happen, right. you need yeah. your next meal. And it really affects what you retain, um, how you perform in school, uh, how you're able to focus. And so if kids aren't fed, if they don't have the nutrition that they need, um, they can't really live out their full potential. And so it's really shortchanging a lot of the children across the state. So we need to meet their needs so they can grow and thrive academically. Yeah, it, it affects their health. It affects their their brain development. Yeah. I mean, all all of that. It's just uh, there is a direct correlation between nutrition mm-hmm. and food and um, and an ab- ability to learn. Yeah, if you if you're hungry, you're not, not thinking about not you're interested not thinking about multiplication nope. facts. Well. Um, thank you so much, Devin and Jessica. We appreciate what you guys do for our families and for the children in our state. Um, 
and thanks for coming to, to help everybody understand a little more about the PEBT benefits. We really appreciate it. So if you get an unmarked envelope, make open sure it. to open it. Please. We absolutely appreciate you hosting us today. And we're really glad that we could join this conversation. So thank you for the opportunity. We appreciate absolutely. you. Thank you all so much. And we we do have a website if anyone yes. is curious about absolutely. Um, some frequently asked questions around the program. That, that has been one of, I think, the biggest challenges for the program is it's brand new. Uh, people aren't familiar with it. So sure. we're trying to address those. So if they go to... Our website, which is hungerfreeok.org slash P-E-B-T, all lowercase, they can find um, answers to frequently asked questions. It's it's not our program. It is run by the Oklahoma Department of Human Services um, and authorized by the USDA. Mm-hmm. But they can at least find some answers to some questions and phone numbers to call if they um, need further assistance. Making sure that we get resources to people. That yep. is what it's all about. It takes all of us. Absolutely. Well, thank you, ladies, so much. Thank you all. We appreciate it. Thank you. And welcome to Alicia's Morning Announcements. I've got a new chime this week, Carrie. Oh, good. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> Got several things to talk about today. Uh, First of all, we want to send out super congratulations to Oklahoma aspiring educator leader. Uh, She's our OAEA legislative rep, Yessi Kano. And she was chosen to be on the National Education Association for Aspiring Educators Advisory Committee. So awesome. So that is a great honor. She will help shape policy through Mm -hmm. that. Uh, on a national level for aspiring educators. So congratulations, Yessie. Um, next, we want to talk about Tips and Tricks Tuesday. Uh, every Tuesday at 4 o'clock, our, our, um, our teaching and learning staff. There it is. I know who they are. Uh, <laughs> they, they work with uh, educators across the state to put on a great little uh, quick 20-minute or so professional development this week, it is going to be on Exact Path, which is which the- is a platform that the state um, purchased with CARES Act money cool. um, to help assess where students are and and um, provides feedback so that they can be on uh, the pathway moving forward. Yeah, uh, with all the standards and things. So tips and tricks Tuesday every Tuesday at four o'clock Facebook Live. Yes. Um, next thing we want to talk about is, uh, making sure that if you are a pack donor, we have nominations open until five o'clock today, September 18th, mm-hmm. um, for pack council. So, um, this is an elected position. Uh, each zone has a, a representative on the pack council, um, in their in their zone director, mm-hmm. but they also elect another uh, person to be on the PAC council as well. Hashtag democracy. That's how it works. And so um, if you are a PAC donor, you can um, nominate yourself to be on that uh, council. And you just go to the website under the Fund for Children and Public Education and the nomination form is there. Those are due by five o'clock today. 
And then the voting happens September 22nd, uh, starting at 8 a.m. through September 25th at 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, you have to be a donor to the Fund for Children in Public Education, our PAC. And, um, and, and you get, you get a voice. So okea.org slash fcpe for the fund for children in public education uh and if you want to be part of it be a donor i mean what's the okay alicia what's the recommended there's like a recommended amount or something there's like basically like 10 bucks a year ten dollars a year is is the recommended amount but um you donate anything and you're a donor to the fund and so that puts you in the category of a fund donor so you can run for positions you can vote on those positions and you that qualifies you to be uh able to be on interview committees yeah when we uh interview for different races ten dollars that's one and a half coffees right one and a half coffees and bipartisan nonpartisan uh political action committee right i mean it's pro-education it's pro-education whatever your affiliation all the only thing that the Fund for Children in Public Education OEA's PAC talks about are education policy issues. Yes, and that's it. And that's how we come up with our nominations. Well, get in, get in there, people. Get in and get involved. Um, and then let's circle back around to we talked to Chris King with Voice today, and we are partners with them on uh, their CD five. Uh, Uh, pandemic and education roundtable that's coming up on Tuesday, September 22nd. And I want to make sure that uh, everybody signs up to do that. So go to the OEA Facebook page, go to the voice Facebook page Mm -hmm. and um, register and then participate. We're going to have a great discussion and I totally look forward to hearing from our candidates. And I was not joking when I said I'm probably going to be eating during it. If I didn't have to speak during it, I would probably be having a snack myself. Well, that's on you for, getting, <laughs> for saying yes. Yeah. I'm going to be like, no, I'm busy. I'm eating yeah. then. Yeah. So uh, log on too. You can watch Alicia speak. You can watch me eat. It'll be great. It'll, <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It'll be great for everybody. You'll hear from Kendra Horn. You'll hear from the other candidates that are coming. Yeah. Uh, and our state legislators. are, mm-hmm. are the, We've invited them to put a video together. Um, so that you can get to know them a little bit more too. Yep. Got to know it's, it's not long. We're six weeks, seven weeks, seven and a half weeks out from the election. Like 58 so days, something like not that. Not that we're, <sighs> let's just get across that finish line. Well, we want to say thank you so much to Chris King, lead organizer for voice. And, uh, thank you to Jessica Dietrich and Devin Schroeder of, uh, hunger free Oklahoma. We also want to say thank you to you for listening to fried okra the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernell-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.